Hello and welcome to His and Hers Boxing Podcast. This is our first ever episode, so thank you for tuning in. Um, it's presented by myself, Lee Costello, and Neve Campbell. Hello. Basically, uh, me and Neve were both uh, fully qualified journalists. We currently work in the media industry, but more importantly than that, we are boxing fanatics. Uh, fanatical about boxing. It's more or less our lives at this stage because we still compete at an amateur level at the City of Belfast Boxing Academy and we help coach the kids and stuff as well. So everything we talk about is boxing, so we might as well record it and fire it up on air as well. Uh, we're a little bit niche in that we're actually boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, so I don't know any other couples who, uh, you know, go to boxing together, fight each other now and again, and I mean that in a literal sense, some sparring. <laughs> um, but we're going to start today's episode kicking off with the match, or the fight last night between John O'Carroll and Scott Quigg. Um, what what a fight it was! We'll get stuck straight into the main event. John O'Carroll, what a performance, Neve. Yeah, so Lee and I actually weren't together for this fight. We were usually together for every single fight that we watch, and of course, the first podcast we do, we're we're technically we're like miles apart. So I was down in Jahada, um, watching it, and it it was it was mad to be fair. Um, me and Lee were texting each other, and he said, "Oh, don't tell me your scorecard, and you know, until the end, until we see each other." and got to the end and I goes Lee look like what is what is the point I think I'm kind of stupid if I didn't say that every single round went to Jono so what was like I think I'd be completely stupid if I didn't admit that but uh is, is that what you expected did you think Jono would uh completely walk it like he did no well this is one thing I want to say and I feel kind of I feel kind of stupid and cliche saying this and that Jono Carroll reminds me of McGregor um because I know like any Irish athlete everyone's like oh he's the next McGregor stuff like that um, and because it's a fight sport as well but I just think John O'Carroll has that, do you know that just complete all-knowing, like, he's so obnoxious, but like in quite a, well, I don't like McGregor anymore, but back whenever I liked McGregor and, and it was charismatic and not uh, arrogance, yeah, he's yeah. just got that charisma. Cheeky Irish charm. Yeah. Sure, I know all about it. And he's um he's got like proper crazy eyes, like psychotic eyes and eyes, like everything would tell you that Quig was going to win it. And I was just thinking like, I, it's it's like that whole the secret you know what I mean like the whole McGregor thing like if you actually believe that you're going to do it and I don't think there was an ounce of him I don't think any of that was an act in the press conference I, he genuinely believed he was going to do it and he did it and even in the ring like he was so cheeky in the ring and I was like he didn't even look like wrecked or gassed whatsoever I think he could have went 20 rounds with Quig yeah um, it, it isn't all just mental with him though he uh, he, he, he really put on a masterclass to, on, on a tactical point of view uh, recently losing now to Tavin Farmer for a world title Tavin Farmer really well known for being such a tricky tricky fighter John O'Carroll took that loss not only just learned from the night itself but uh, then hired or went over and did sparring with Tavin Farmer really learned the tricks of the trade he really calmed down he wasn't just all about volume because before he would have just been you know uh, quantity 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 I'll just overpower you uh, throw as many shots as possible and this many will get through. Now he picks his shots, still throws in volume, but like every one of them had like a bang behind them, you know? Um, and that it, it was the perfect example of uh, how a southpaw should fight. You know, he kept his foot on the outside at all times and just completely controlled Scott Quick. Scott was going in square, he was easy to hit. And every time, you know, he would roll off to the right um, in the pads beforehand, you knew, you knew he was just going to play in and out, in and out. Uh, banging the pads and then rolled after everything and used the angles, stepped away. It was it was really, it was a masterclass. It was so good and it was, Lee and I were talking before and I said, who do you want to win? And he was like, oh, well, 
clearly Jono just you know because of the whole Irishman thing and I was like I could do like quick too because we were obviously massive massive Frampton fans and you know Frampton outclass well nowhere near the way Jono did like but Frampton clearly outclassed Quig but you do like Quig and you do feel sorry for him um he is a nice he is a genuinely nice guy and he is a brilliant boxer but that's one thing I kept saying Lee like it's just his footwork was his footwork was awful he kept going on really square he was keeping his hands up but like it just looks so awkward. His shoulders were completely square on, but then in front of us, you said, "Well, that is the way he always fights, and usually." He no, typ- typically that's what he does. You know, he, he's just always coming forward, uh, high guard, tucked up, nice and neat. Um, but he, he usually overpowers you, and then at the end, you know, after the first few rounds, he proves to be just like you know too much for you, too much for his opponent, and he, he was always heavy fisted, but. That was a bantamweight, super bantamweight. He didn't really carry that power into featherweight. And we're taking absolutely nothing away from Jono. That's why we wanted to start off with his performance and how well he did. But you do have to argue um, that isn't the Scott Quigg of old. Yeah, were we not talking about... Like, I thought bookie-wise and stuff, Quigg was meant to be the favourite. And then I was really surprised right before it. Um, obviously, like, the pundits were Johnny Nelson, Dave Caldwell and Frampton. All three of them thought that John was going to do it. I actually think Frampton was the one that said he, he thought he was going to get the stoppage, he was going to get a knockout. Um, the thing is with John O'Toole, and like, this is what I said to, to you as well whenever we were messing each other, like, he was getting him so clean, and he, like, John was getting Quig so clean with really good shots, and but they just didn't seem to be hurting him. And then I know he's, he's only had three knockouts in his career, and he's not known for his knockout powers or anything, but I was like thinking, oh my God, if he actually had a wee bit of power in there, Quig would have been knocked out, you know, long, long ago, maybe. What? It, it, it's like uh, similar to Josh Warrington you know uh, Jono was just he, he, he sort of built his career featherweight he didn't go through the weights and really drain himself um, he was a featherweight so he sort of grew into the weight he's 27 now you know he's getting that real man power just like Josh Warrington and um, everyone thought before he took on Carl Frampton that yeah he's got no power lots of volume and stuff but Frampton says he's the hardest hitter he's ever been in with and he was really surprised by that so it's that, it's that whole thing of growing with the weight uh, Johnny Nelson made a really good point as well when talking about Scott Quigg and the whole aging and stuff he said that Joe Gallagher was very very quiet in the build up and that's <laughs> that's really unusual for him and on the scales Dave Caldwell made the point that Scott Quigg just he just didn't look usually he's in fantastic condition you know ripped to the bones oh God, um, yeah. veins bulging out of his neck you know and he's just ready to go he, he didn't look that way you know he looked he looked tired he looked old I actually um, picked up on that too, him saying that, because I was like, oh my God, look at John O'Carroll compared to him. Like, But I know, the thing is with boxing as well, like, it's not about, I know like obviously you got AJ and he is just the pure picture of Adonis and stuff, but sure, what about like Tony Bellew, like never really had a six pack. I remember he had that six pack once and everyone was like, oh, he's actually, yeah. got a, he's got a bit of defined abs there. So I think people look at boxers and think, oh, you have to literally look like, like AJ, but like we know just because you're more muscly, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the better boxer or stronger. But looking at John O'Carroll, I was like, I had to keep reminding myself that because I was like, oh my God, Johnny Carr looks like he would actually eat Scott Quigg for breakfast here yeah, at mean, that press conference. Like, if, if No prizes for guessing who was in their prime, you know, if you were to show to yeah. complete. But like, you say that, right? I know it's because it's boxing, but like, there's only, what, four year difference there? Yeah, four years difference, but it's four years difference in boxing, you know, how much yeah. punishment did uh, Scott Quigg take over the years in the wars? Is Frampton not like 32? Two different kinds of boxers, really, though. Uh, as, as you know, Frampton's been in wars too. Leo Santa Cruz, both of them fights. Uh, the Josh Warrington fight was pretty tough. But Scott Quigg, you know, he, he's always been known for a boxer. Sorry, Carl Frampton, you know, he, you know, hit Fine. and don't get hit, that sort of thing, a lot more fluent. And he's had less fights as well, uh, despite being of a similar age. Scott Quigg really suffered with injuries this last few years too and he was at Wildcard uh, Boxing Club with Freddie Roach you know they're renowned 
for their spars. They don't go easy in sparring. Mm-hmm. Um, does that does that all add up in the end? You know, uh, just because we didn't see the blues doesn't mean he wasn't taking the blues. But I know, I know, like you've said this, like this sort of disclaimer, like anything we talk about here is not anything to take away from from Jono. But I do sort of think oh, that's and Scott's not saying this himself by any means. Um, I do think that whole cop out, like oh the older man, you know, would you think? Say they were the same age. Say this was Scott Quigg four years ago, and and John. Say they're both twenty seven. Who do you, like? Do you think Scott would beat him back then? I just think Jono was actually. I think he, I think he would have beat him no matter what. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. I mean, you wanna, you'd love to look at the, the Scott Quigg that knocked out say like Kiko Martinez against John O'Carroll of last night. But I, I mean, uh, Scott did say himself, you know, he thinks that like, and he wasn't being disrespectful, but he thinks that three years ago, four years ago, uh, he'd have been too much. For John O'Carroll, but that John O'Carroll last night uh, was was really something else. You know that that was top top drawer stuff. Everything. I mean, it was cool, calm, calculated. Just he, he couldn't have drew up a better plan of how the night his night was meant to go. You know, it, it just went uh, absolutely perfectly. That's insane. He visualized it. Uh, yeah, he visualized. You know, he, he, thing. I he, believe in that. <laughs> he brought it into the ether and he did it. But I mean, all the hard work. You know, I, I just think he's, he's it's really refreshing. Someone who takes their L, like he did to Tavon Farmer, and just worked on it so much. And then you, you know, how, how often do you hear that? You know, uh, a, a champion beats you, and you you befriend him and use him as a sparring partner to find out really, you know, where you went wrong. And, and to try and fix them cracks. Isn't that the video of them that was went viral on Twitter? Was it them saying away in the car? Yeah, well, yeah, they were waiting to get cheese steaks. Uh, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. Philadelphia cheesecakes <laughs> or something. Dick. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, probably the main talk of fight or point of this entire fight was that should the towel have been thrown in uh, earlier, Joe Gallagher then was under pressure to uh, be in a, a sort of stepping coach. I know he talked Scott Quigg early in his career and things like that. But Scott Quigg did make that decision to leave him. Um, and the only reason he wasn't with Freddie Roach last night was because he couldn't get a visa sort of to America I don't know the ins and outs of that or whatever so he sort of had to go back to Joe, Joe Gallagher um, and I don't know like does that play with the relationship you know uh, I know Joe Gallagher and they're, and they're big mates and things but yeah, how could he not feel Joe um, that well you left me to go somewhere else because you thought it'd be better and now you're only here with me now because you kind of have no choice I that's a bit I it's sort of like your your second best sort of thing, but then again, if you're getting like they were always mates, and if Joe's like he's getting paid, like he knows that he still has to do. It's I know you're talking about the, the relationship and stuff, and it'd probably be a bit damaged, but surely Joe would still want him to win. No, of course, because it's the best in his best I'm interest. I'm not saying that at all. And um, but what I'm saying is that maybe he didn't feel like it was his place to throw in the towel. Uh, oh right, okay. And and effectively. And Scott Quigg's career, you know, I mean, it, you know that that tell doesn't just represent the end of this fight. It's it's curtains on his entire career, and because Joe was there at the start, aye, um, he knows, you know, how long this journey is, all the years that have been put in, all the slog and all the work behind everything to build in this career, and and he knows the aspirations that Scott Quigg still had prior to this fight of becoming a world champion again, and he knows all of that's in his hand to end right here and right now. Uh, the Sky commentators you didn't agree with. You thought they were a bit premature. Yeah, I put that on Twitter too, and I actually got a good a bit of feedback from people. Um, feedback mostly, yeah. Well, I mostly mostly agree with them, but some of them disagree too. Um, I just thought I, I I completely get the point, right? Like, you know, this the fighter safety should be first and foremost. But 
I think, was it like from round five or round six, they kept going on about it. And I was like, right, like, have you actually just ran out of stuff to talk about in the actual fight? So you're pushing this. Adam Smith was wild for it. Like, um, he just kept going on about it. And to the point where it was kind of like, they kept talking about, you know, oh, don't get me wrong. Like, Quig, he's, what a, what a brilliant, like, few nights he's given us in this brilliant career. We're not trying to, like, shadow that at all with this. But I was like, well, don't, don't call it quits just yet. This is like in round five or round six. And, I know, I know it didn't look likely, and I don't. Obviously, I don't think he ever was going to knock John out. But boxing is nowhere till it's over. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. For all we, for all we could have known, there could have been that one old time, um, Scott Quigg heel Mary that that could have um hit John O'Clean. So, it's the fact that they kept going on about it so much. They needed to calm down, and uh, I just thought it was a bit disrespectful. And they talked about it more than actually talked about John O'Skill and it got to the point where it was like they were just talking about Quig's career and yeah. oh this is him buying out now and stuff and it was like right I think you need to calm down a bit but then you were you know you said to me well the whole point is like, round 10 to be fair you were like John O has won every single round so yeah. what is the point of well Quig he wasn't going to pull it out of the bag at the end um, the, the idea being like if if, if if what everyone presumed had happened had happened and that Scott Quig is just too old and he was tired and he was getting picked off did he even have the legs um, to muster up, you know that heel Mary shot, and Jano did not look like getting hit at all. He was so evasive, and Scott Quigg he was he was putting everything into these mad right hooks and left hooks that were coming from all different angles, and you know Jano was just slipping them for fun. He couldn't he couldn't hit him like couldn't he not? It actually was mad every time Quigg threw. He just oh no, he was casting like he was trying to catch a shadow. Yeah, he, he just couldn't do it. Um, and the, and that big magnificent beard was just. Waving in front of you, you know, it must be so. His eyebrows are mad, I think. He's so it, his eyebrows are mad. They're so bushy, like, he's definitely getting them waxed or threaded because that's definitely the same. Like, he should have a unibrow and they are perfectly. No, hold on. Pleased. If they're so bushy, then surely they're not being waxed or. I would, would they not, do you not notice how perfectly shaped they are? Like, there's not a there's not a sense of a unibrow there. Like, he definitely has a unibrow naturally and he's getting them, like, do you, I'd say threaded. if he let them grow. Like yeah, this most, is the real debate. Most of his forehead, I sort of. But that's another reason does why he looks kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, does John O'Carroll get his eyebrows done? That's why he's got the big beard. He's just distracting from the fact no one talks about the eyebrows because they're all about the beard, the beard, the beard. I live in his ancestry because there's nothing about him that actually looks Irish. Do you know what I mean? He's pure, he does. He's, black. he's tiny. He's pale. You know, well, things I can relate to. The other point is, um, I think a lot of the time when you see fighters in the ring and they're sort of holding center of the ring, you always think that they're they're dominant and they're winning um, and not necessarily better but that's, that's the way I've always perceived it but I've had like Scott Quigg was holding centre of the ring quite a lot but although John was fighting on the back foot it was completely his game do you know what I mean like he completely controlled the direction yeah. of the fight so even even that aspect like Scott was just following him around sort of like yeah and he couldn't couldn't give him in the corner or anything you know what I mean yeah and, and to be fair no I do think that, that when the towel came in that to me that seemed just about right, you know. Uh, I heard in the corner, Scott Quigg actually said to Joe himself, "He's like, it's not like he's beating me up, you know." He, but he, he was See, obviously really defensive about that, you know. He, uh, Joe was obviously kept giving him, "You got to do this, you got to do that," and it was getting into Scott's Scott's head, being like, "There's no way it's going as bad as, as I think it is," because you got to have that real defiance, you know, nearly that that um, disillusionment, you know, that you're still in this fight. And um, but then fighters need to be saved from themselves in that sort of respect, and Joe Geller. That was that's his job, but and, and I think he did it. You know, I thought he was fine. I I think that oh, you don't that think it should have been not any uh, maybe a round earlier. I don't think any. Do you think it should have been thrown in though? Like oh yeah, like overall now uh, yeah yeah. I mean that was just it. The fight was over. But I think Anthony Crawler was looking more worried than Joe Gallagher was. 
Well, he probably was. In the corner, yeah. he, he did look really concerned for I him. I did see him. He fired the towel over to Joe in that 11th round. I because really, he was oh, over obviously. Did yeah. he initiated that? Jinky was the one that well, was like, pushed this on. I, I, it's not like Joe doesn't know what he's talking about. Or, oh, no, or no, I'm not saying that. I just think Joe thought about this um, like he should have. You know, uh, the Scott Quick. He knows that he wasn't just throwing the towel in on this fight, but on Scott Quick's career. The way he said in the corner, oh, he's, it's not like he's beating me up. Um, that was the point I tweeted being like he's completely coherent and stuff Yeah. the fact he's talking but then again do you remember in the Joshua Ruiz the first fight Joshua yeah. started sort of speaking in the corner being like what what, what shot did he get me with because yeah, he didn't yeah. know but then I think that was kind the, of a sign to be like why are you even talking in the corner like that's never you're meant to be getting your breath you do not talk back yeah. so with that, and but the fact he was asking questions and things like that Joshua um, is when Joshua spat out his gum shield you know that's I, when it was really but that's why I think this is two different sort of situations whenever I think I think Quig was a bit like, but that's my point. He was he wasn't getting yes he was getting picked off, but I don't think they were really hurting him. And well, I don't know his nose, his face, you know. But like, like you don't, but you don't know what damage that's going to be doing in the long term. This I know, no, I know. But if he, there's Joe, no point in him keeping him in there if he's definitely, definitely not going to win. If, I, if you've eliminated I, every opportunity of him winning, which they had done, which which Jono had done, um, then there probably is is no point. But um, Jono wasn't unscathed, like. It's not like he came in with no cuts too. No, so. no, no. Um, but yeah, no. It was overall though. Uh, Quick passed his best. Mm-hmm. So was, I think was thrown in roughly in and around the right time. Uh, mm-hmm. A masterclass by John O'Carroll. Uh, talking about the undercard now. Um, a little bit disappointed overall with the undercard. Like the quality wasn't great. Talking especially with the. I was really looking forward to seeing Anthony Fowler back in the ring. New trainer Shane McGuigan. What's he learned? You know, is he going to get this rematch with Scott Fitzgerald? Uh, but then he was meant to be fighting Jack Flatley, which would have been really interesting. But instead, he fought Michael Flatley. You know, with the he had no grips in his shoes, just sliding about the ring, bombing on ice. I have never, never seen anything like that in my in my life. I mean, I was wild. Every just disclaimer: wild is a Tyrone term <laughs> that you're going to hear a lot. Some, when something is wild. It's uh Tara. Yeah. <laughs> but what's the definition of Tara? <laughs> it's just crazy, like yeah, insane, you know, out of out of the ordinary, unorthodox. Unorthodox, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, this was insane. He, he, he had these boxing boots that were all taped up and mashed, fighting on Sky Sports News. Where are the boots? Like or, as I'm saying, were the trainers that just sort of looked like boots taped up? No, they were boxing uh, boots that he's had since he was a child. Oh God, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. You think in this opportunity, you could have even made it part of the contract. He's like, yeah, I'll jump in and fight Anthony Fowler, but you know, you got to get me a new pair of boots. Pop down to Sports Direct, throw on trainers, boxers fight with trainers. If you haven't seen it, look it up because it is absolutely hilarious. You would really, be like, raging too because obviously he got that fight so last minute. Um, Tete and was like, oh, this is my big shot, you know, yeah. on Sky Sports. And it's like, you're technically going down as a KO because... You couldn't get your footwear right, like. Yeah, I mean, I, Fowler was always gonna. I'd be raised if I, like, stop I, this if I was Fowler too. Though, yeah, like. yeah, no, of course, because he, he was there to make a statement with with the Shane McGuigan and stuff and try to force the Scott Fitzgerald fight, which, by the way, I could not be more excited about. Not even because of the rematch, but because of the Twitter banter that <laughs> You're uh, that not. feud from last year between Anthony Fowler and Scott Fitzgerald on Twitter. That I mean, I must have laughed for about three months. That time when he said, it just randomly tweeted. Roger. Yeah, it just goes, oh, everybody, every time you go to training, Anthony, uh, people are going in and rogering your girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> oldie, timey British yeah. slang ever. I've never heard that phrase before. I mean, 
I, I just I just laughed and laughed. It, it it was amazing, and it's already starting to build back up again. You Who know? do you prefer? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I really like Scott Lake, but I, I don't know if he lives the life. Um, it's like, but then then Fowler said at the end of this his interview uh, with his fight last night something about uh, he was out booking tables with the lads all what? the time. Yeah, when he was preparing for the Fitzgerald fight, and I was like, I don't, I don't think so, Fowler. You know, I mean, he. He, all he thought, he's called the machine you know he lives and breathes box and I don't think he was doing anything he's trying that to act he like he was really been. complacent yeah. I yeah. didn't care about it I. yeah but uh, the real fight of the night was Zach Parker v Roland Murdoch um, it, it, it was a fantastic fight actually and it was I was under the impression that this was an eliminator uh, for the WBO to uh, become the mandatory to fight Billy Joe Saunders but actually that's really the only only the ABF have it that way where number where if number one and number two fight and claim the number one spot in the rankings then they get a mandatory position but apparently this isn't actually the case although it, it is enough of a, a leverage for him to eventually force that fight and hopefully they will grant them the mandatory position because uh really really good fight a real thinking man's game um parker i i, I love people who switch stances i just think it's class and the finish it's was really hard to do. Yeah, really hard to do. Uh, and 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 the finish was just fantastic as well. Um, what a knockout in the eleventh round from a really really game opponent. Is he ready for world titles? And you know, uh, is not even world class level, but is he a Billy Joe's level? Don't know so yet, but uh, we'll see. And speaking of switch hitters, Huey Fury was back. What did you think of his performance? I thought it was good. Yeah. Um. At the same time, like, you do sort of watch it and you're like, he is, you can just tell he is just that step below world class. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to make it up there with his his cousin and, uh, and AJ and um, Wilder. I, again, I know they have to talk about it. It annoys me how much the commentators talk about Tyson. I get it whenever during his walkout, oh, like, you know, unusual walkout tune, just like his cousin. And then during the fights, talking about Tyson, I'm like, oh my God, do you not just let the lad, like, I know they have to talk about it, but I thought they went on a bit too, mu- a bit too much, but... Yeah, I really didn't expect him to get that knockout. Well, uh, he's not famous for the knockouts, obviously. As we get, no, he's not. But then he was up against some Weatherspoons bouncer, you know, really. Um, <laughs> I don't know that guys are hard. <laughs> I, that's true. I wouldn't fight them. But uh, no, I, I think you got to you got to give to contextualize Huey Fury. He's only twenty five years old. I that's the same, you know same I mean? age as us, which is insane. Yeah, and the he's, fights he's, he's had. fought Pulev, Pavakian, and um, Parker. Joseph Parker. The three P's. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, all big names, all really, really experienced guys. H- has he learned from them fights? I, I, I don't know. But, I mean, there's no way he's in his peak. John O'Carroll, we're talking about him already. You know, he went, he lost to Tevin Farmer. And now that's now, you know, it seems like it's the making of him. Mm-hmm. He looks so much more finessed after that loss because of the things he's worked on. Um, who knows what's what's up for you if you're anything. You know, we've got to give him a break. They give him this blowout. He can go out, get a knockout, add it to his uh, resume. Hopefully the next opponent's just a little bit step up in class. I think he might be fighting on the Joshua this, undercard. Yeah, they said either the Usyk Chisora card or the Pulev Eje card. Um, which one would you rather see him on? Like? Oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm unfortunately never really that excited to see a Huey Fury fight. Although I do wish him well. You know, I mean, I'd love to be proved wrong. I'd love them to go out and start smoking people. I did laugh just whenever you were saying that um, Frampton commentating after was you know that song like the Will Griggs on Fire song yeah as that was coming on I don't know if that's why this came into Frampton's head Frampton says um, 
you know, he didn't set the ring on fire. Just as that song was coming on, I just thought it was a funny <laughs> wee thing that I kept note on. But yeah, um, Huey kept coming in with this big right hand, and obviously eventually it did land. But if your man had been a better boxer, you would have seen it coming a mile away. Well, you say that, but um, he did switch. You know, his backhand kept changing because he uh, caught him with a big left hand when he was southpaw, and then he switched pretty nice and, and a big backhand. When I was thinking, was ironically, orthodox. like it was a bit Wilder esque that big uh, finish, you know, the big sweeping. Yeah, Coming yeah, I mean, a big downward punch, wasn't it? Um, yeah. It was lovely, though. And I know you just said you can't talk of a Huey Fury um, without mentioning Tyson Fury. So we're going to do exactly that. I think uh, the world is probably sick of hearing about Tyson Fury. I know. But I. But, like, that three-part documentary by ITV, well, I, what, that was that was one of the... Like, and I watch a lot of boxing documentaries, but... Uh, that whole behind-the-scenes doc, um, it was it was just fantastic. And I, I wouldn't even say I was, I was the biggest Tyson Fury fan by any stretch of the imagination. But um, it was absolute genius. All the, the capturing the whole story, you know, between either the weight loss and the, and the drugs and all that stuff, uh, to his comeback, to fighting Wilder, to the split with Ben Davidson and stuff. And then, hoping to God, you know, before they released the third episode, that he would, uh, the third episode, that he uh, would beat Wilder in the rematch and then for him to go out and do what he did completely dismantled him um, it, it just teed it up wonderfully what, what did you think of it? Uh, you like you said you're talking like this is actually the best documentary I've ever watched um, boxing wise I, I did I really liked it and <laughs> I just I love AJ and I don't love AJ for the typical reasons like everyone thinks that everyone just loves AJ because he's so famous and, he, and he's so good looking and stuff I genuinely love AJ I think he's a really nice guy I think he's just a brilliant boxer um, I would like to see AJ beat Fury. I hope that fight does eventually happen. Um, I've never been a big fan of Fury. His voice genuinely does my head in. There's just so many things about him that do, do my head in. Like one, but that documentary was, and I found myself trying to fight back liking him. But I do, I love Paris. Like yeah. I just like she and John. Oh my God, John! Like his dad is just an absolute. John Fury is is made my life. Why has he not been discovered sooner? Like I know, I know. I mean, like he's always been about to and doing random interviews here and there but that they have ITV have uncovered a star with John Fury his reaction you know when when, when he not when uh, Fury knocked out Wilder and just that glorious three seconds <laughs> I mean where he came out and said that came from my balls <laughs> I mean what if you don't follow no context John Fury on Twitter you need to go do it now because it's no context John Fury better than no context Eddie Hearn yes it's this is it's the most likes that I ever got on Twitter it was <laughs> retweeting it viral um, no, th- I did, I really did, like, I think Tyson came across so, and I think he is down earth, I don't think it matters how many millions he does make, like, he is just typical gypsy lad from, from Morecambe, and, he, and you'll never move away from Morecambe, and I'm actually, like, I mean, I have, like, 10 minutes left of his, his autobiography, I got it in audiobook, so I've been, people think I am his biggest fan, I've been watching his documentary, I've been listening to his audiobook, um, he is, whether you like him or you don't like him, like, his, his fall from grace and his rise back to the top he's another one of them ones though you know like the whole secret thing like he genuinely does believe he is the best in the world and, and he like we're all just living in his world like he creates his he creates the world around him and whatever he says like it, it does happen but it would be mad to just I think that's such a thing with boxers to have that much obviously he gets really low he's got bipolar disorder and all as well but he just really believes in himself to the point where like you know you were yeah. saying he's, he's a maverick he is so he shouldn't be he shouldn't be the boxer and the athlete that he is. Like his dad was saying that too. Like he's constantly on his toes. He's so unusual for a heavyweight. Um, yeah, and not just a heavyweight, but this like towering heavyweight. You know, when, yeah. you, when you're big for a heavyweight, yeah. you know what I mean. I mean, he is massive. 
uh, an absolutely huge man. Um, he does make me cringe sometimes in the documentary. Oh yeah, no, oh, God, he's I, so cringy. Absolutely, but that that's part of the beauty uh, of it. You know, you, you catch it all. Um, and a wonderful documentary. Um, the heavyweight division in general. Uh, it's not you know ever we all think you know Wilder, Fury, Joshua. They're the big three. But uh, I don't know if Wilder's even in that anymore. Like, well, it, he's going to be fighting. Oh, uh, yeah, Fury. yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think he has a chance? Um, you kind of would like to see him, wouldn't you? Like, you'd love to see it. not not against Fury, but you'd almost like to see him knock him out or or just beat him to be like, oh my god, this is all lit on fire now. Like, it's back. To, it's back to Brings this trio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but they, I, it just makes it. Then they'll have a fourth fight, and Josh was out in the cold again. Well, you know, I, well, I, think so, like. you mean there'll be that many clauses? Um. But then, as we were saying, some of those things, like, yes, Wilder hits hard and all the rest of it, but who are, apart from Fury, who are the people that he's really knocked out, you know? Anyone of real yeah. substance. Um, and what about Dillian White, the potentially unluckiest man in heavyweight history? I like Dillian White. I like him too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that video again, if anyone hasn't seen this, where uh, he hates Wilder, because Wilder obviously keeps putting <laughs> off their fight. And he's on Sky Sports, it's on Sky Sports Twitter, and someone's asking Dillian White about it. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna reenact the laugh now. I reenact his laugh all the time. I mean, he wets himself laughing. Yeah. He just, he he just got so, beat up, man. He is so, <laughs> he's more ecstatic, I think, than Fury was like about the fact that uh, he got beat up. I know. He is uh, so funny. White hates Wilder. Uh, he's fighting Pavetkin. Um, <laughs> then. <laughs> I don't know if he's been promised, a, you know, a world title fight after this one, you know, because that, that, that would be like all of his fights, you know, Rivas, Parker, Chisora, he's beat Chisora twice, Chisora's a well-known... Uh, Chisora's a nut job too that I love. Yeah, yeah but he, he's a well-known uh, gatekeeper to the, to, the, yeah. to the champions, you know, if you could get by Chisora, then mm-hmm. you just bought yourself the golden ticket to fight AJ and Fury and the likes of them, but, you know, White's done it twice. And he, and he doesn't look like he's going to get his chance. Usyk's now going to fight Chisora. Uh, if Usyk beats him, which I think he will, is he, he he'll become a mandatory for Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, so he it's more likely he'll get his shot at Joshua before uh, White ever will. So I, I do think sticking to the whole WBC route and going after Fury. Fury beats Wilder again, in my opinion. I mean, I you know, you know if, if if the Joshua Fury fight didn't happen, I would be more than delighted. For Fury to come out and fight White or White as a uh, a mandatory, I think that'd be a brilliant fight. I do too. But just touching on the AJ thing, what do you what do you think AJ's crack is? Why do you think he's been so quiet about uh, the Fury Wilder thing? You know, a lot of people are saying he should be coming out. He should be. I know, like the fight disciples and stuff, sort of say, why was he not there? Why was he not ringside? Um, and a lot of people are saying, and I was one of them. Like that's not his style, you know, to go in and shout and be like, I'm calling you out next. But he actually hasn't. Eddie's been more vocal than he has. Um, who do you think, if and when that fight between Seth Fury and AJ finally happens, if it happens in twenty twenty one? Yeah. Um, who do you think wins? Well, first of all, big shout out to Fight Disciples. We absolutely Yay. love them guys. They're they're a big part of the reason why we're doing this. We met them after the Lomachenko and Luke Campbell fight. A few pints. Yeah, in London. A few pints, had a, had a few beers and. Uh, inspired us to do this so here we are like what nearly six months later Aye. you know we got there eventually but yes finally got a microphone yeah finally got a microphone that was the big problem <laughs> <laughs> you know we couldn't afford a microphone um, so if you feel like sponsoring I was like, like <laughs> set up one of them oh, there's like a thing go like, for me I go for me or like there's yeah. like PayPal or no, there's something say no I need to get that sorted and then my fans actually get people to, no <laughs> like, no oh, oh Jesus no um, 
But yeah, no, back to Joshua Fury. We're not going to bore you to death uh, on this because I think that's, that's all anyone talking about. Um, God knows, I don't think I've seen more of Eddie Hearn this last couple of weeks than talk, trying to build this fight that hasn't even uh, been scheduled yet. And, um, and I see a lot of Eddie Hearn, between, whether he's in context or not. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, the heavyweight division... Uh, it is really exciting. Everyone says it's booming at the minute, but it, it, it is only booming if this continues, if this momentum continues yeah. and, and they uh, continue to fight each other, uh, which I hope they do, uh, sincerely. Um, the other thing is, I'll just tell you a wee story, Lee is raging because Fury fought on Frampton's undercard a few years ago and uh, Wilder was obviously there because he came called him out after, and uh, Wilder was eating in the Nando's that is really, really close to our house. They always eating, and Billy Joe, obviously, gypsy team, yeah. threw a chicken at Wilder um, from upstairs. So Wilder was sitting upstairs, and Billy Joe was sitting downstairs. Ran up. Oh, no, I think he went up, and they had a, like, a confrontation. Oh, I, no, yeah. I think they tried to be like mates, and then Billy Joe was like, actually, nah, and threw a chicken in his face. Yeah, either way. <laughs> and then Wilder literally fell down these stairs in Nando's, because Billy Joe and the crew ran out, and... Uh, there was a video of it and we were actually away in County Kerry on holidays and Lee saw the video and was absolutely fuming that we had fuming. missed this entire thing. We were doing watching The Rosa Truly. Yeah, things. Lee was like, we could have been in that Nando's. We've missed the best boxers in the world being in our home city right now. And I was like, I don't <laughs> Throwing think, chickens at each other. Who's to say we were going to be right there? But yeah, so that's the way he said so I would have made a point to be there. You know, once I seen it on Twitter and it went up, so I would have just uh, scurred Belfast to try and find a, a wilder swinging a a half, <laughs> a half chicken lemon and herb you know I, I, that's what I want to say like uh, lemon and herb sauce flying everywhere yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's real really good advertising for Nando's as well you know exactly. you're like the heavyweight champion of the world and the middleweight champion super middleweight uh, fighting yeah, right here in our <laughs> restaurant because your point is they'll probably never be in Belfast again but well no I, mean, I can't see any reason why they'll be in Belfast again although of course if this ever gets announced, you know, because I feel like it, it, it's it's really really close for months now. Is Carl Frampton and Jamel Herring mm-hmm. supposed to be in Windsor Park, and we're supposed to be hearing a date really really soon? As is all I hear, all the hype around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would absolutely love that to happen because Belfast is bouncing when these big fights take place. It's, there's there's no party like a Frampton party, you know. And if we get a really really good undercard as well, and bring over these all these international stars, I mean. Herring, he's, he's really good friends with uh, Terence Crawford. How wicked would it be, you know? We're just floating about Victoria Square, city centre, and, there, and there's Terence Crawford. You know, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, hopefully that gets announced soon. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for listening to our first ever podcast, the first ever episode of His and Her Boxing. Uh, please follow us on Twitter. That's at His and Her Boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, where we'll be uploading all our podcasts and just chatting general crap you know as we always do and thanks for listening and please be very forgiving as this is our first time with this new mic and, and yeah editing. the new mic that's the problem <laughs> and uh <laughs> and hopefully i we don't we don't row over the editing process after you no i mean I, I don't think uh jerome people or people from jerome you know have given this much airtime since like hugo duncan <laughs> yeah <laughs> no one if anyone's listening outside of ireland or northern Ireland, they're not going to have an actual clue what we're talking about i know uh, so tune in again thank you bye thank you bye